0: Total Screen. We talk politics, media, and culture. And we have a regular guest of the show, Olivier Jattel. Good afternoon.
1: Thanks, George. Sorry, There I am. Hey, uh, sounding upbeat, George. Listen, I want to share with the folks, uh, honestly, uh, we were talking about a left-wing media personality before we went on air, and the last thing he said before uh, going on air was, you can tell he was homeschooled. That's
0: a beautiful sentence. (laughs) Um, And, uh, yes, it's... uh, 35 past 1 p.m. and that means we're going to be talking uh, about, well, I guess um, we're we're going to be talking about Alexandria, a- Alexandria um Ocasio Cortez, uh, who is a 20 year 28 year old um, former campaign organizer for Bernie Sanders, and a few weeks back she won the Democratic primary in New York's 14th congressional district uh so you know i mean it's New york city, but it, you know it's pretty small stuff um twenty six twenty eight thousand people voted um but it's what is it it's this it's this I, I think people are probably familiar with her uh winning uh she is uh hispanic uh she Um, Bet Joseph Crowley, who is an establishment Democrat and had been there since 2015. highest
1: ranking Democrat in Mm. Congress was presumably going to be shoulder tapped to succeed Nancy
0: Pelosi as the Speaker of the House. Aged 56. She's 28. She was working in a bar just a few months beforehand. So, this was an event.
1: Everybody, Everybody's seen the video, right? Where she uh, walks into the campaign party office yeah. and just is, like, floored by looking at the screen as the results come through. And it's, you know, there are not many genuine moments of joy when we look at the lay of the land uh, in terms of politics globally or particularly with regards to the great Satan, America. But this was a really incredible moment. And uh, and so a lot of people on on the left were kind of, yeah, just letting themselves have that real moment mm-hmm. of joy. It's a political upset unlike anything in modern American politics, and it is at once um, a demonstration of how moribund the kind of like Democratic Party establishment are and how traditional campaigning can work in certain areas. but you know this is also a story of new york city like uh this is a really interesting thing cuz cuz new york city was a very progressive left wing city for you know most of the 20th century and uh had kind of this is kind of like the story of modern neoliberalism had come under kind of like emergency austerity rule um and 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 that kind of culture was was tamped down was marginalized uh but you know we can see in this instance you know like there is this kind of organic potential for working people immigrant communities uh mm-hmm. to organize around a very uh strong strident kind of social democratic platform mm-hmm. and um i mean this was a huge thing about what she talked about is that look all yeah i mean she talked about intersections of issues like housing and policing and social justice but all around this notion of democratic socialism right so racism is a class is- issue, gender oppression is a class issue, um, and, and weaving all of these things together quite well. And, uh, and, and again, doing a lot of old-school door-knocking mm-hmm. uh, and you know, a campaign that ran, ran close to, to 12 months, and, and they claimed that they'd you know, knocked on over 100,000 doors um, or something like that, canvassed um, roughly the whole district, and then she's up against a, an opponent that had the money, had the machinery but you know like very shallow um, kind of actual engagement right and they you know that's the problem when you when you rely on politics that uh... you know it's all about the consultants who say look we need targeted targeted ad spends and and we can project that five percent engagement rates with this kind of return on the do-. but like yeah, yeah they don't really know like it's a it's a business it's a hustle um... but when you when you knock on the doors and and count you know uh who your actual votes are who you can depend to come out then then i mean that's that's how you campaign mm. so it's it's great and uh it's it's interesting to see uh, w- what this portends for you know the democratic primary season so really quickly like uh every democratic candidate for congress uh has to get through a primary process where they've faced kind of potential sanders insurgent uh Opponents and uh before uh you know, heading out to the general November and uh, you know, I'm there's gonna be some good victories, but overall I don't think the trend is is looking that great. But the Ocasio-Cortez moment is kind of the framing mm-hmm. of of, you know, well what is the future what is this gonna this election gonna be about? What is the future of the Democratic Party gonna be about? Is it about uh people like Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, or is it about Russia or something like that? So,
0: um, what, what, how do you feel about her explanation for democratic socialism? Uh, especially, I'm thinking of you know like uh, she, you know, the next day she was on, or you know, a few days later she was on Stephen Colbert's show. Right. Like, oh, she, yeah, yeah like, this was amazing. onto the, yeah, you know, media yeah. incredible.
1: Yeah, she was on The View. Is mm. she on The View? Yeah, yeah. I mean, The View is like... I mean, that's why Donald Trump is president, because he goes on to things like The View or mm. whatever, like these kind of massive platforms. So that's really incredible. And I have to admit to, like, yeah, part of the euphoria was like, yeah, watching the next day interviews on CNN and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And what you saw was... and oh, All right, so this is tough. A lot of people being, uh, I think, a bit harsh on her because oh, you know, she's a politician. I mean, and she was... not, You know, she's maybe got a, a profile of postgraduate education and that suggests that, you know, this is somebody with political ambitions. But it's like, yeah, but that's who gets into politics, mostly. I mean, yeah, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there is this kind of tough game of, like hey, now the door has been opened up to you, the party, everybody wants a piece of you. Everybody wants to say, yeah, yeah, this is great. We love her. This is wonderful. Um, And, you know, she's getting into situations where obviously she's being cordial to um, Joe Crowley, and then he's Mm. being a little bit, he had been a little bit cagey about whether or not he'd actually run a uh independent uh, campaign against her and so there's there's all these kind of like tensions like do you play nice or Mm. do you go in there swinging and uh it's good that people want to co-opt you that's you know you should see that as a positive thing but then and then of course people are co-opting you in ways that are completely disingenuous um but in terms of you know, the basics I mean, like for example today Fox News is is trying to make Ocasio Cortez the face of the Democrats, which is uh and and saying things like, you know, you know Ocasio Cortez says she wants every American to have health care and you know, full employment as this, as if this was um the great present danger to to, <laughs> to the heartland or something. So yeah, it's We're, she's she's done well and um we could talk a little bit about how some of these sneaky democrats are trying to kind of like uh manage this this issue that they well, have.
0: How how do you feel she should of you know, because I noticed commentators like Sam Cedar and people like that saying that she did a good job of not establishing this as a you know, of, of not heightening the divisions between the socialists mm-hmm. uh, or the democratic socialists and the establishment Democrats. That after the victory, she um, had a re- re- reconciliatory tone. Right. She should should she do that uh, or this heighten a, this the conflict?
1: R- well, it's really hard because, like, for example, one of the things that she's been attacked on is some of her positions on on Israel, mm. and obviously she's campaigning during a time when the kind of slaughter. Um, at the, the Gaza border was happening, and she, uh, you know, in no... I mean, there was no kind of ambiguity with with some of the language that she used, that this was egregious uh, the slaughter of innocents and, you know, an outrage and all of this kind of stuff. Um, and it seems like... I'm not exactly sure who the groups are that were applying a certain amount of pressure, but obviously, like, you know, when Bernie Sanders... Is your kind of standard bearer for the left wing of, and he's not really a Democrat, but if he's the standard of the left, and he says stuff like, "Well, you know, this is a terrible outrage, but Hamas needs to not endanger its people," like you know, they're always equivocating; they can't make a kind of tough moral stand yeah, yeah, on yeah. this. So she she walked it back, and she was like, "Look, you know, I'm not. This is not really my issue, and I spoke the language of an activist, not of somebody like right. super informed on the issue." Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. like. No, I mean, we need the language of an
0: activist, yeah. right? you know. I like mean, Bernie Sanders isn't that great in terms of foreign policy, yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah, with her, if the establishment is trying to co-opt and subsume her, uh, you know, I don't know. Should she resist that, or should she go with it? I mean, this, this is the thing. Look, that's
1: the really know. hard thing at for an individual level mm. um, for her and her camp to kind to, to kind of figure out. But she, you know, one of the, the smart things that. that um, She's done I mean, like, uh, and I'll talk a little bit in a second about how they try to co-opt her yeah, yeah the you know this was something that happened on the debate stage with uh, with Joe Crowley um, she was asked so Joe Crowley was like, look, you know, if I lose, I'm gonna uh, endorse uh, Ocasio cortez but I you know I ask her if, if 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 she loses, will she endorse me and she's like, look you know i'm here because of the th- this coalition of groups that i'm answerable to mm. and so any mm. decision i make is i have to go back to them mm. right that's just that's who i am as a campaign you know i'm not You know, my constituents aren't beholden to me. I'm beholden to them. Yeah, and and that was an attitude that obviously is 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 fantastic. Well, it's
0: the same for Joe Crowley, though. He's just beholden to To, the (laughs) corporate. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) exactly, exactly. So, so that was really good. But I think
1: the narrative that is happening is. I mean, I, I want to call this woke washing. Mm-hmm. And it's the thing that's like, yeah, this is, you know, we need more women. And of course we need more women. Mm. And we need more women of color. And yes, of course, we need more women of color to be taking up these roles. But it's like, you know, Hillary paved the way for, you know, women to be inspired to rise up. And it's like, I mean, you know, to the extent that some of that is true, I mean, great. But this is not about a kind of neoliberal Democrat that's... Uh, about making the system more inclusive and having more diversity, this is about real material politics and antagonistic politics, which says that you know uh, the economy as it works, as it exists today, the war machine as it exists today. This cannot, you know, this is unacceptable, and we need you know drastic, radical solutions. Mm-hmm. And that's you know that's who she represents, and she is a um, well. I mean, as we said, she's a campaign organizer for Bernie Sanders. So mm-hmm. this. Notion and this is the other thing to say, oh, it's it's wonderful when young people, when talented people run really exceptional campaigns. And like, you know, Ocasio-Cortez is very talented, is very charismatic, and these are all great qualities. But it's not like this was like a kind of like Obama like superstar talent that just kind of gets you over the line. Like it's it is about the politics. So mm. that that that's kind of the um, the way in which they 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 rationalize this as a continuation of what this party has stood for because they don't want to change anything mm-hmm. right they don't want to you know look at the medicare stuff uh... you know uh, jobs programs mm-hmm. and you know declaration for, for for jobs any of these things they want
0: to want to talk about russia yeah. and uh, that's funny cause and the celebs they they've re- reduced to uh through her um, attractiveness, her competency, and her gender, mm-hmm. uh, and that is a good way of not talking about the policy she stands for. She has resisted it, in a way, by right. by becoming a national figure, going out with um, Bernie Sanders, you know, on Face the Nation next to him. and
1: I remember this, actually. Sorry, it was like the day after, the New York Times, who'd not um, uh, done any coverage of the Ocasio-Cortez campaign Mm. until they actually won it. The next day, uh, profiled her among a bunch of other women challengers, one of which was uh, Brianna Wu, who uh, some people will know from Gamergate. Now, Brianna Wu is... I mean, her politics are a little bit all over the show um certainly not but there was a kind of way of not lumping her in with because there are a bunch of different democratic socialist candidates mm. in america that are and and people that are associated with the sanders organization our revolution but it was like oh no well, look here's all the women you know and here's yeah. their diverse backgrounds um but there was a there was an interesting thing also in the guardian which managed to lump in um, Ocasio cortez and our prime minister Jacinda Ardern, I thought this is a really, this is a really instructive take. Mm. Um, Van Badham is the author. Van Badham. And uh, she wrote, Jacinda Ardern is the very hero the global left needs right now. And she writes about Jacinda and and Ocasio-Cortez. And and, and obviously, to an outsider, um, what we've done as a nation with the uh, the first baby sorry I don't know what are we officially calling the, <laughs> yeah that sounds good the, f- the first baby mm-hmm. Um it's a wonderful mature incredible moment I can't imagine anything like this happening in the US like it's very cool and you know listen I mean I like Jacinda she seems like a very nice person Clark Gayford founded Cow TV like we like these people and this was a great moment but this conflating of her with Ocasio Cortez. I mean, we're talking about a government right now in, in New Zealand that doesn't want to uh unhandcuff itself from kind of neoliberal austerity mm-hmm. rules that it's self imposed. And, you know, all this talk about young mothers and, and women of color. I mean, I remember, you know, the story of Materia Ture on the campaign and there was a solo mom, yeah. um, you know, a woman of color striving, trying to get through law school that talked about the difficulties, living with the benefit and you know, Jacinda mm-hmm. let her out to dry. Yeah. I mean, they they cut her loose. Yeah, they they shredded the the M O U that they had. Mm. So to again, and I pointed that I pointed this out to the author of uh, of this Guardian piece, who didn't take too kindly to that. I was very polite, but no, it it kind of ruins the narrative. <laughs> but like, you know, I mean, is Jacinda a Trudeau progressive neoliberal? Maybe that's a bit harsh, but there is a progressive neoliberal worldview which sees things like Trudeau, Jacinda. And then Ocasio Cortez is a continuum of just more diversity and more equality, and that's not that's not going to cut it for this moment. Mm,
0: mm. Um, <clears throat> uh I I planned on talking about social media and the internet aspect of this. I mean, you know, the the DSA, the Democratic Socialists of America, mm-hmm. the, and this. I guess it's an internet subculture that does bleed in into the that kind of thing i guess the, you know the um you know Acacio cortez is a she's of a good poster <laughs> oh yeah, yeah she's a legit good poster and but um a manifestation of of, of a, a grassroots like actual kind of activism right. as well i
1: mean is, is sorry a convergence of online and then real stuff yeah i mean like uh, so i mean DSA's like gone up to fifty thousand membership or something mm. insane like that and I, probably off the back of the view and or whatever like yeah, i mean it's, yeah. it's Incredible, and its growth, just like the problem of like co-optation is the good problem. You know, its growth is also like a good problem. Um, and do people join DSA by I don't know the being meams. on, d- yeah, dank <clears throat> memes or listening to Chapel Trap House or mm. possibly? And is that a kind of stunted, you know, political worldview? Possibly, but then I mean, you know, is it is better it, than is
0: it Gramsci? Is it
1: cultural right. hegemony? Uh, yeah, I mean that. Uh, Well, no, because honestly, like, I really think that left online subcultures are just like a, just a pinprick, or just nothing. Like, like, I do believe online subcultures are 100%, well, 100, are totally on the right. I mean, Mm -hmm. like, or not even on the right, like, just, uh, well, I mean, all right, Twitch is going to be like the biggest broadcast platform Mm. in the world. I mean, what, uh, you know, if Trump is a product of Twitter and television, like, what is the politics of... Of twitch and gaming gonna produce for us, I mean that's so what? I wouldn't want to make any simple kind of like yeah online's this good uh, mm, yeah, left yeah. organizing thing i I really don't know actually I, I actually want to spend a little bit of time understanding uh some of these massive gamer accounts and and mm. what their politics or yeah, is
0: that what you're working on inside?
1: no no it's just it's just a kind of lingering thing like uh you know little tay meets jake paul meets uh dr disrespect i mean like Mm. if if like these are the most popular forms of media out there right now and it's um yeah it's interesting
0: and then we have uh what i want to finish with um what jamie peck for the rolling for rolling stone magazine called a neoliberal nightmare at aussie fest 2018 amid a split in the democratic party Hillary Clinton headlined an event that was part music festival, part TED talk. Now, woo! I feel like, um, like South by Southwest is already a political. It's kind quite of, tech, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, these these things kind of happen. But you know, what 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 was Aussie? It's feel?
1: really interesting. I think it's like a mixing of the experiential economy and, uh, I guess, the new technocratic laboring class uh... wanting to feel good about its sense in the wo- uh of of progress in the world um, and this thing Aussiefest. fest all right n- let me just let me break into my little weird rant and beef here i mean like it's really vanilla and actually uh... and and banal and well from banal to destructive regressive tech centric politics but these people love. They love Common. They love Talib Kweli. Mm-hmm. Malcolm Gladwell. Malcolm Gladwell, the former, uh, you know, tobacco lobbyist, you know, kind of the counterintuitive social psychology guy about how actually inequality is good. It spurs innovation and <laughs> or whatever. This guy he, he has like a podcast now, uh, a hip hop podcast. So these these these. Uh, lifeless uh neoliberal technocrats, they love all this kind of nineties hip hop. And I'm like, I'm really personally like <laughs> mad and angry about this and I'm uh, um and uh but yeah so Ozzy Fest was this place where they, these people kinda let their hair down and and while out a little bit, but then can you imagine how lame their whiling out is it's mm. incredibly lame and it's still reverential and fetishistic towards uh, one, uh, Hillary Clinton. Um, in spite face. of the... F- yeah, who, yeah, who was there, who was kind of like a headliner? And, and in spite of the fact that there's really nothing new here, like it's really cultish. Um, I'm, yeah, and, and of course there's all the kind of Russia stuff and, you know, hair on fire screaming about how... Yeah, um, yeah.
0: Well, yeah, just from Trump, from Putin, the Washington Stalin. Post... Briefly, Karl Rove and Chelsea Handler are yelling at each other. Oh, God. Chelsea Handler's the worst at the homophobic Putin-Trump stuff. Because this is 2018, and they're on a panel titled, Impeachment is a Strong Word. Oh, God. No, there's like, honestly... Um, whenever Michael Cohen,
1: who's like Donald Trump's Lionel Hutt's eternity, uh, Yeah, yeah. And,
0: and Mentioned him earlier today. Twel- yeah. 12 tapes of audio. Right.
1: Now, I love Michael Well, no, I don't love Michael Cohen. So, I hate the Russia story because it's uh, a way of like disciplining the left, and it's like a sideshow, and it's mostly nonsense. But I love the Michael Cohen story. like hmm. Because it really is a window into this kind of world of just absolutely loathsome, repulsive incompetence. But I remember when Michael Cohen was first sort of cooperating. Chelsea Handler, you know, great comic, whatever, was making jokes on Twitter like, "Looks like Donald Trump is gonna get raped in prison." Ha! Lols. Like it's just, (laughs) what is? What is? All right. I mean, like this is like. Let's think about it on our side. What has to go wrong for you that that is kind of like, you know, you know, Putin Trump are you know? I mean, I. Are homos and they? And, mm. I mean, like that—that is like the kind of visceral enjoyment, but also kind of grotesque horror that your comedy and also your political obsessions revolve around. And Piss Tapes, like, what's gone wrong for you mm. for that to be the thing that 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 you're stuck on? I mean, um, yeah. So she's she's particularly deplorable in that department. <laughs> anyway,
0: right. this All is a, right.
1: this is a bad bunch. Don't look to any kind of um, <laughs> any kind of saving to happen from these people. You know, look look for these people to drown out whatever kind of good progressive stuffs happening in primaries with Russia stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, there's still a long, long way to go. Uh, I mean, the polls aren't aren't great right now. They're really in a bad because uh, what people have to remember is that um, during the first midterm elections for a sitting president, they're supposed to go bad for the sitting president. Yeah, yeah. What happened for Obama? It's generally what happens, but. Mm. You got a couple things. You got gerrymandering. You've got uh, voter disenfranchisement, but also just um, the Democrats unable because there's this kind of like cult thing that everything Mm. revolves around Russia, Putin, and like people are pulled on this. They don't give a shit about it. Mm. Um, They're incapable of kind of expanding their base, and and I do think it's, yeah, Mm. it doesn't look that good for the midterms. Seen
0: it maybe, but. Yeah. House of Representatives, no. Yeah. Gerrymandering and uselessness.
1: Yeah, but even 2020 looks pretty bad.
0: Yeah, yeah. People don't want to think about this, but. Trump 2020. (sighs) All right. Anyway. We'll leave it there, Olivia. Thanks, Max. Cheers for the insight, Um, Olivia Jattel from the Media, Film, and Communications Department. And yes, definitely recommend people check out the Rolling Stone article by Jamie Peck. Uh, She's a great uh, writer. She writes for The Guardian sometimes as well. It's coming up.